Welcome to the Exploring Unschooling podcast. I'm Pam Larickia, longtime unschooling mom and author. Join me and my wonderful guests for interviews, information, and inspiration about unschooling and living joyfully with your family. You can find the episode show notes, your free introductory ebook, What is Unschooling?, and lots more information at livingjoyfully.ca. And here's the show. Hello, explorers. I'm Pam Larickia, and this is episode number 170 of the podcast. It's the 3rd of April, 2019, as I record this intro. This week, I have a fantastic conversation with Kelly and Rana Lincoln, an unschooling mom and daughter. It was so much fun chatting with them and hearing about their unschooling lives from both their perspectives. We talk about their journey to unschooling, living and learning with four kids or three siblings, their family's RV travels, their latest business adventure, and lots more. As a personal update, enrollment for the Childhood Redefined Unschooling Summit, which I host with Ann Oman and Anna Brown, is officially open. Yay! I'm really happy with our choice to bring the summit online for three important reasons. Number one is that participants have access to the content forever, which means that as you learn and grow and change, you'll make new connections and continue to learn new things as you revisit the content. There really are so many layers. Blathnade shared, I replay the summit a lot at different times, and each time a little gem seems to pop out to suit the place where I am on my journey. Number two is you don't have to leave your home and your family, which also means that you can soak it in at the pace that suits your lives. Ellie shared, I have grown in the deepest ways as a result of the sessions, in ways that are so necessary to do unschooling well, and all at my own pace right at home. And number three, it gives us the opportunity to share the content in multiple formats, which means you get to learn however suits you best. Video, audio, text, it's all there. And I'd like to share one more comment that we've received. Kelly is a podcast listener, was a fabulous guest in episode 106, and is a summit participant. She shared this great observation in our private Facebook group. I'm enjoying all of the summit recordings so much. I am pleasantly surprised at how different they are from the podcast. I love the podcast, and so if it was quite similar, I would have been fine with that. But you all have done an amazing job of taking it all both up a notch, but also down a notch deeper. Awesome. (laughs) So the summit is open for enrollment now until April 14th. And it would be our honor to accompany you on this leg of your unschooling journey. And I also want to take a moment to thank everyone who has chosen to support my unschooling work like this podcast and my website through Patreon. I deeply appreciate all my patrons. Their generous support is vital to helping me freely share information and inspiration with anyone who's curious and wants to explore the fascinating world of unschooling. If you'd like to join my community of patrons and scoop up some great rewards along the way, like the monthly desktop wallpaper, which I just sent out for April, check out the Exploring Unschooling page at patreon.com. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash exploring unschooling. And now let's get into my conversation with Kelly and Rana. 
welcome. I'm Pam Larickia from livingjoyfully.ca, and today I'm here with Kelly and Rana Lincoln. Hi to you both. Hello. Hello, hello. So I actually met Kelly online through our mutual friend, Anna Brown, which I'm sure longtime podcast listeners will recognize. (laughs) I have really enjoyed getting to know her and her family a little bit through their online presence. And I thought it would be really fun to have her and her daughter on the podcast together so they could each share their own perspectives on unschooling. Mm -hmm. And I got to tell you guys, I was really thrilled when you said you were up for it. So, to get us started, can you guys introduce yourselves and maybe just share a little bit about you and your family? So, I'm Kelly Lincoln, and this is Rana. I'm Rana. Um, (laughs) We have, so my husband and I have been together for 31 years, and um, we have four kids. So, uh, Rana's our oldest. She's 22. We have a son, Thane, who is 17. We have a son, Emrys, who is 13, and a daughter, Gwyneth, who is nine and a half. (laughs) Don't forget that. (laughs) That's important. (laughs) I was going to say. 22 and a half. You're 22 and a half. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Your half birthday. Um, So we have quite a range of ages, um, which has been fabulous for us personally. Um, I really felt like each of the kids got to like have a lot of attention as babies, you know, instead of I never had all toddlers at the same time or anything like that, which I feel is better, even though I I also might be a little more tired now (laughs) Uh, because I've been parenting little ones for so long. So I am starting to feel tired. (laughs) I have to be honest, but, um, but I also have bigger helpers now too. So we take some um, of the pressure off. Yeah. Um, so we're native Californians. We've always lived here. Um, and well, we haven't always lived here, but we've lived all over California. We've moved quite a bit. Um, and while Rana and Thane were, little for probably eight or 10 years. We lived way up in the mountains, um, f- far from anyone population 81. Like <laughs> there's no town. not a town, not a town. <laughs> when we first moved there, we would, we would drive over an hour into Reno once every three weeks we went shopping. It was like a totally different life. Yeah. Um, and so, but they both reflect rather fondly on those years. Um, you know, we just sort of skipped over all those concerns about socialization that homeschoolers often have. Um, there, what, there was nobody to socialize with, so it was never an issue. (laughs) We had, we had like, I think we, Nate and I had like all of our elderly, because we lived with a bunch of retired folk. And so all of our neighbors were in their like seventies and eighties. And so we kind of just grew up with like a street full of grandparents who, let us garden with them. And we had tea parties where we wore fancy hats. And so we were always surrounded. We spent a lot of time outdoors, but we were always surrounded by these older neighbors who totally just took us in and adopted us. And yeah. So that was, so it was kind of, it was interesting how that worked out because, um, as unschoolers, well, the way it's worked in our family at least is 
um, our kids have always been equal parts of the family. They've never been like a lower class citizen or had less of a, um, and a say in how, what's going on in the family really. And it was interesting living in that environment was kind of more of that. Like everyone on, they, they talk to people of different ages very easily, like a lot of homeschoolers and unschoolers do. Um, but almost even more so. <laughs> yeah. They never treated us like we were any yeah. different. They were just like, yeah. which is funny to think back on and like put that in a different perspective, being older and be like, here are these two little kids just riding their bikes who kept riding up to these old and they, but they loved spending time with they us did. and, they really but they never treated us like you little kids or why aren't you in school? They just treated us like neighbors who were visiting them. Yeah. So we did that for eight or 10 years. And then, um, we moved around some more and then we tried moving up to the Seattle area for a while and we lasted two winters, <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> what was it too much? Winter? <laughs> yes. It's all winter. Yeah. <laughs> um, we really liked it up there. Uh, and everyone, I mean, as Californians, everyone warned us, you know, it rains all the time. It's really gray, but we're coastal Californians. So we're used to the fog and, um, we thought, big deal. We're used to it being bright all the time. Um, but it wasn't the rain and the fog. It was the darkness. It was the latitude we weren't, uh, we weren't ready for. I thought that that market difference was something that happened like way up in Alaska or the Arctic circle. I had no idea that people at that latitude were, <laughs> you know, it's dark at three thirty, and we're just like, ah. so anyway, oh, wow. it was, um, it was surprising and we didn't like it very much. <laughs> no. So we uh, jumped into an RV and traveled the country for three years and we did 38 states. And then we came back to coastal, central coast California and we're pretty settled here for now. Yeah, we were, we were going to be here for about six months. And then uh, me and uh, Thane, my other brother, got really invested in being here and we were like we don't want to leave yeah. we want to stay here so it's been almost three years now and there's there's not really any itchy feet yet no. <laughs> I think we're staying for a while oh that's spectacular <laughs> it's nice to find a place that that fits so well right well this is where we um Abe and I my husband and I we actually went to college here oh. and when we when we were here 30 years ago we would have loved to have stayed, but it's very expensive and difficult to find a way to stay. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, when we had spent a couple years, summers on the East Coast, and I was done with the humidity. I don't know <laughs> how people <laughs> handle that. Our life has been very controlled by the weather. Yes, yes. <laughs> the weather is the deciding factor of everything. If not just small talk. <laughs> or not just small talk. I will make life decisions based on what the weather is. <laughs> so, but, you know, to bring that back to unschooling, we've always had the freedom to do that. If, if I'm uncomfortable or I feel like this, why are we suffering through this? We've always had the, um, freedom, up the freedom to just up and go kind of. So, um, yeah, that's worked out pretty well. Yeah. Well, so Somewhere in there with your physical journeys to all these places, <laughs> yeah. you discovered unschooling. 
and Mm -hmm. made that choice for your family as well. Um, So I was hoping you could share a little bit about what your family's move to unschooling looked like. Um, So I was very lucky in that, um, and a lot of it comes down to luck, right? Meeting the right person at the right time or um, the right teacher, ironically. Um, And so... (laughs) um, You still need teachers. Before I was even pregnant or anything, I became a doula. Mm -hmm. And um, I was really drawn to the whole birth community and everything long before she even came around. Um, And so I happened to kind of be in the right group of people for um, a more natural approach to life in general. Um, And so all four of my kids were born at home. And um, the home birth experience was a really important one for, it's it's an important part of this whole journey because to me, unschooling is just an extension of keeping things in my house, (laughs) keeping my life in my house. So I chose to have children and that makes them my responsibility. Not only my responsibility, but um, it's my privilege to have them with me. And it's not something I would want to give to a stranger to spend my days with my kids is is my privilege and my, um, my dream. (laughs) So I want to be the one, you know, most people are upset if they miss their baby's first steps or something, but I don't want to also miss the first time they read a whole paragraph or, um, figure out, you know, finally make their own batch of cookies or whatever it is. Like I wanted to witness that and be a part of it. Um, and I also, my husband and I really wanted to, foster a close family. And for us, that meant being close and being together and spending our time together because we feel like that's how relationships, any sort of relationships need time and attention. Um, And so for us, it was important that we stay together as a family and our siblings would know each other. (laughs) Um, So, um, right. So, unschooling for me was, and for both of us was just an extension of, um, home birth and attachment therapy. It just made sense. Like it didn't make sense to, to have this sort of autonomous version of the way things were. And then suddenly because someone turns four and a half or five years old to ship them off, it, it didn't make any sense to us. Mm-hmm. Um, we had pretty much decided we were going to homeschool before she was ever born. I remember um, being pregnant with her and having arguments with people saying, wait, what? You're going to do what? Um, (laughs) And so I think that um, I'm trying to remember when I heard, like, I, I know that in the beginning, so 22 years ago, there was a lot less, there were no Pam Larickias out there you know, putting this kind of information out into the world. Um, so I know that at first I thought homeschooling would look like school at home. Yeah. I wouldn't have had any other way to visualize it, I think. Um, but by the time she was four or five years old, that just seemed dumb. Yeah. Cause I remember, I remember 
<laughs> I remember us doing workbooks and like sitting down yeah. and doing that more. And I don't really know what changed because I do remember that, but I remember it kind of became tedious for both of us where it was just like, why are we doing this? What? This isn't fun. This yeah. isn't fun. We could, because I mean, I don't know if you've noticed, but we have a lot of fun together. And um, <laughs> I kind of remember sitting down and doing the workbooks and I don't remember exactly because it was little, but being like, this seems really tedious. Why are we doing this when we could be doing any number of other fun things? Right. So I'm trying to think, um, I mean, obviously this was way before Facebook and I remember there were some AOL groups. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I remember coming across some of Sandra Dodd's writings. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, whenever I read about just relax and let it happen, it made sense to me. Of course, I read all of John Holt's books and um, hit the... people don't mention this one as much, but, um, his escape from childhood book just completely blew me away. Like love that blew me away because it, it seemed so obviously rational. Like Mm -hmm. I, I, that one really, really hit me. And I read that when she was pretty young. So, um, so just having a normal flow of the day, we never felt like we needed to interrupt that because I could see that she was progressing as a human being every day. Right? <laughs> so, um, yeah, so the whole thing was very natural. I know some people have a more, have a better story of like, and then this happened and we decided to change everything. And that didn't happen for us. It, the whole thing was really organic and, um, by the time our second was of any age to matter about like school or we were already pretty much into it, it into a flow. Yeah. It's, it's just a flow. Yeah. Just That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, I, I love so we really stories where people anything. figured it out that early. <laughs> I know. I feel really grateful. Um, I actually feel like there's one woman and I don't even know her name. She's, I just think of her as an angel who, um, I met at a preschool of all places. Uh, cause I was, before she was born, I actually worked in a preschool for about a year. And so there were all these two year olds, you know, <laughs> and there was this mom who would come at nap time to nurse her baby to, to, for down for a nap. Like her daughter came to the preschool, but she always came in the afternoon to nurse her to sleep. And so we would lay there and she would be laying down nursing her baby and I would be on the other side. And she was telling me about, um, William Sears and attachment parenting. And, and so I was exposed to all of those things, ideas before she even came along. And I don't, I, I wish I knew who that woman was, but cause she changed my life. Yeah. It makes me all tears. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know cause yeah. I mean, I had, my kids were older by the time I came across those ideas, but oh, they were just like this breath of fresh air. It was like, this is what I've been looking for. That's why things didn't make sense. And then yes, right. the excitement of finding that. That's so cool. <laughs> so yeah, Rana, really your, your, your days flowed. You remember workbooks a little bit. Um, you were hanging out with the grandparents and stuff. Was there a time <laughs> when you, um, you know, started to realize, you know, that school was a thing? 
Um, and I, I was just wondering if there was a time when you were curious about that um, or, you know, because there's so often a lot of conventional messages about, well, you know, you need to go to school to learn. You know, was there a time when you were younger that you were concerned about that or did you chat with your mom about that or how'd that go for you? I don't. Um, I don't ever really remember having a time where I felt like I was missing, missing? out on the yeah. school world. I, cause our days just kind of flowed and felt really natural. And I think especially when us living in the mountains, I was just a kid. Like we were really, I guess, isolated in a way. I can't ages of like, what we moved when well, I was seven. I think we left the mountains when you were like 13. 13 or so basically 14. my child 13 there wasn't really any outside influences coming telling me that I was missing anything. I think mm -hmm. like you know sometimes in the winter the the neighborhood grandkids would come back. <laughs> that mm -hmm. was the only mm -hmm. time. And they would come up to visit their grandparents and so I would play with them. But all I remember is there I really only remember two who came up and they were so mean and so bratty. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they were 13 and learning to cuss and doing all this stupid stuff. And I remember they were older than me, but I remember feeling way more mature than them because they were doing this stuff. So I never really felt like I was missing out. Um, I don't really think the only time, honestly, the only time I realized that I had started to really realize that I was doing something differently or potentially missing out was in the past three years when we moved here and I started working pretty full time in a college town. And so all of my friends go to college and all of them go to community college. And that's the first time I started noticing that there was like a difference. Um, but by that point I had already decided I didn't want to go to college. And, um, I remember thinking that it was going to be like an issue. Like you don't go to college, you don't go to school, you're on a different level. Nobody cares. Nobody ever has cared. Nobody cares. Yeah. They go, oh, are you a student? And I go, no, I'm not a student. I'm just, you know. And they go, oh, that's cool. <laughs> Do you want to go hang out? And you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> so it's, it's, She's been complete. I was a little, to be honest, I was worried that she would have a hard time making friends here. But every single group, even the college groups of people have been so welcoming to her. They're like, we don't care if you're not a student here, come join us anyway. They, they honestly, I've had yeah. a couple, I've had, I have one group of friends. They forget that I don't go to college. They think they just um, automatically, they, they adopted me so quickly and just pulled me into their little group. And they're like, you should try writing for the college newspaper. And I was like, I can't, I'm not a student. And they're like, Oh, that's right. You're not a student. I forgot. <laughs> so I remember coming in thinking this is going to be, that was the first time it was really an issue because at least around my teen years, I had, I had a group of friends who were all homeschooled. And so that was just our normal. Mm -hmm. And then I got out into the real world, I guess. <laughs> all the world. So they said. The real world. <laughs> and nobody cares as long as you're a good person at that moment. And you know, it doesn't matter. It, it didn't matter anymore where homeschooling was a label, I guess I kind of identified or used when I was younger. Now I don't even identify. We're all just people. Yeah. So, and I, and of course now things are different. So many people homeschool 
that like my youngest, my nine-year-old doesn't have the same reactions from people. If they, if she says she's homeschooled, well, like half the people walking around are homeschooled now. When we were little, they, we go, we're homeschooled and they would go, what's four plus four? (laughs) Well, I mean, sometimes. Sometimes they would get that. That's classic, right? Where they find out your kids aren't in school, so they start quizzing them. But I have to say that um, most of my memories of people asking her questions like that would say, like grocery store clerks and things like that. Well, why aren't you in school? Um, If you when you say, "Well, I'm homeschooled," then they would just say, "Wow, you're so lucky." And then they would look at me and say, "I wish I could have done that." Yeah. And so I think the messages that she was picking up during all of those years were that there, she wasn't missing out, that this was a fine thing. Cause she's listening to that and taking that in too. Right. Yeah. So, um, and most of the, honestly, like from <coughs> TV or books or whatever is all of the kids saying, I hate school. I hate doing homework. I, you know, it's never any positive. I don't remember ever hearing any positive messages of, gosh, I love going to school where I was like, oh man, I'm missing out. I just remember hearing all those. And this even applies today with all of my college friends who tell me about their classes at seven in the morning and the hours of homework they have to do. And they're not getting any sleep and they're super stressed out. And it just makes me go, glad I missed that. (laughs) Yeah. And we would point out like even in um, Magic School Bus, those kids are in school, but all of their learning happens somewhere else. Right. (laughs) Every single episode is them going out into the world or into the world somehow, (laughs) but like going out and having experiences. Um, And we taught, we would talk about that quite a bit. Like you notice that, right? And then the kids would be like, yeah, I get that. So yeah, that was kind of a tangent, but. (laughs) Oh no. (laughs) That's great. No, those are the, and we love the magic school (laughs) Right. We, I we had conversations like that too. Actually, when at first when we started watching it, the kids were in school. My oldest two, and you know they could see the difference right away. And then so that mm-hmm. was one of the fun things. I was around the ages too. I guess nine, nine and seven when I discovered homeschooling. I discovered that they didn't legally have to go to school. You know that's yeah. how long it was till I discovered that. Um, and then they came home and, and then, and dove in. But anyway, yeah, the, the environment, same thing with that environment, you know, it, it wasn't as popular or as known here when my kids were young. So yeah, they got the questions that the first question would be, you know, is that legal basically? Oh yeah. <laughs> but yeah. then once you said yes, then it was like, oh, that's so cool, you know? And yeah, right. the they're there and they're like, a lot of times, tell me more, tell me more, right? Yeah. Yeah. Those were always fun conversations, right? When people were curious about it. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, one thing I want to dive into because you've got four kids, you've got three siblings, Rana. <laughs> And sometimes it can take some time to figure out how to weave everyone's needs into the day, right? And that's something I think um, uh, as people come to unschooling and and they start to get a uh, move away from the, you know, do what I tell you from the rules and they start to try to work together to figure out um, 
you know, what, what everybody's needs are and what they're going to do for the day or the week or when someone expresses an interest in something new, how are we going to weave that into our family so that we can help them do those things. So I just thought, hope maybe you guys could share a bit about what that process generally looked like for you. You want to start, Kelly? Sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, like everything else that I've described, it's very organic. Yeah. Um, we definitely work kind of as a unit, as a tribe, a big amoeba of people. Oh, I don't know. Hi. <laughs> <but I don't laughs> It's not too much of an issue for us. Um, my husband's job is pretty flexible. Obviously, the things I've um, described are um, moves. Are it's it's one of great privilege. I totally get that and acknowledge that. Um, but he's been able to uh, telecommute for years, so that gave us a lot of freedom. So if I have needed an extra hand to take someone to a, a class or something like that, um, that's always been pretty easy to do. Um, so that's something I realize is not open to everyone. Um, but for us, it's worked really well. So the kids, they'll have, what happens a lot of times is one of them will have a desire to learn something new, like an instrument. And then everyone wants to learn that instrument. So I have three of them playing guitar now. Um, <laughs> and so I started uh, that one. <laughs> started that one. Um, and now the two younger ones have surpassed me <laughs> by quite a bit. <laughs> a bit. <laughs> That's only because you bake all the time. That's, I had to start adulting. <laughs> um, so like, so for that, I, I take them both at the same time. And also because our days are free, which means the teacher's day is usually free too. Cause the rest of the students he has are busy all for those six hours. Yeah. We have a lot more freedom to come and go with, uh, with people. Mm-hmm. So, um, organizing daytime lessons and things like that is pretty easy. Era has been for us. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there, there, it hasn't really been an issue. It hasn't been too much of an issue of conflicts or um, people not being able to pursue what they want. I think it works out well too, because at least maybe this is the, the, the age difference, the gaps between us, because helpful, yeah. I was able to get the attention and focus I needed. And then by the time and learn what I wanted to learn and kind of get into a routine or at least start to learn how I was able to teach myself or be more independent on it that by the time Thane was old enough to need that, it was really easy to meld his needs into what I already had going. And so we all had time to figure out our routines and our needs and how those gets met. And so by the time the next youngest one needed to, we needed to figure that out, that was already really settled and um, solid, yeah. had a good foundation. And so it was mm-hmm. easy to just build on that. And it also helps, I think, that we like each other and we we talk all day long. And so my interests meld with Thane's interests, meld with mom's interests, meld with Gwenny's interests, meld with. And so we're all interested in all of the same things. So we all just like to learn and bounce off of each other. Yeah. We make an effort to be interested in what 
the other people are interested in too. So yeah. something, so someone might bring something new, Pokemon or something into the house and really want to pursue that as um, an activity or an interest, or an interest or whatever. Um, and then we all make an effort to support them. Yeah. So, um, you know, I see a lot of parents who are really disconnected from what their kids do. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't understand that or whatever. I feel, and I don't know if this makes is what has made our unschooling family successful or what, but I feel like it's my job to be interested in what my kids are interested in. It's not their job to be interested in what I want to know. Um, because you can go and know what you want to know on your own anyway. Well, right. But mm. I, I feel like it's my job to do that. So ask me anything. I know all the Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, I can sing that song the, for the first 150 when my kids were younger. Yeah. So, so would I do that on my own? No, I wouldn't yeah. spend my time doing that. But it has given me such a deeper connection with all, not, she, she missed that one. And not that uh, example doesn't work for her. I know, don't point at me. I don't know any. She doesn't know any of them. I missed the cube. That's it. I'm done. <laughs> she did pick a favorite. Um, but it, it has given me a deeper connection with the other three for sure. Um, because we can have long conversations about the, that universe and come up with philosophies and ideas that we otherwise wouldn't be able to do. And that's just one example of so many. I mean, we fangirl over all kinds of things together, um, books and TV shows and anime or whatever it is. Um, 21 pilots Pilots don't even get us started. And so my son introduced me, my son introduced me to them. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) They're so great. Oh my God. So many hours the past few months, all me and then mom and Thane ripping them apart and then looking up theories online and then yeah. watching the music videos and read it like hours. But see, now if, if, so we're unschoolers, so I don't really care about doing this, but a homeschooler would be able to fit that into so many categories. These long conversations where we're looking at lyrics like poetry and talking about symbolism and all these things, which... I don't think it's important to necessarily categorize everything like that, but I can't even, I, I can't even enumerate the number of educational boxes that were ticked through those kinds of passionate conversations we've had. And if I hadn't made an effort to be interested in what they were interested in, that never would have happened. Oh, so I love that. That's the yeah. key right there. I think so. I, I really, really do think so. I think sometimes people can be like, well, they're just they poo-poo their kids' interests because it's just just their kids, right? But like you Mm -hmm. said, right there at the beginning, it's about the connection. We're the parents. We're Mm -hmm. choosing to build this connection and relationship with our children, right? And by choosing this lifestyle, we're also choosing to want to support them in what they're learning. And how can you support them and help them along if you don't understand it enough to participate in a conversation Mm -hmm. right and 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 our world just expands like crazy doesn't it because all of a sudden when so often when you see why they're interested in it 
It's so mm-hmm. interesting. <laughs> it is. It really is. And I, I think you're right that a lot of um, adults just immediately assume that because it's an interest from a young person that it's not as important no or worthy of that much respect. Yeah. And um, wow, they're super missing out. They're missing out on so much good, not good storytelling, good, so much. Yeah. Um, I- That was one of the things connecting with my kids is one of those big things. When I was de-schooling that really opened my eyes. I got, I got rid of that judgment of, of learning, you know, that learning some things is better than learning some other things. Because like you Mm -hmm. were saying through one lens, through that 21 pilots lens, you hit so much, right? You can learn so you much. Do, yeah. That's that's the thing too. When somebody has a passion, when a child has a passion, they're like, oh, they're going to miss out on all the rest of the world. No, when you focus on embracing that passion, it takes you all over the place, doesn't it? It takes you from reading, so writing, and history, and geography. There, there's just so many aspects to any one little thing that you can see the whole world just through that lens, can't you? It's so true. And, you know, um, I forgot who the quotation is by, but, um, and I will, uh, I won't even try, but, (laughs) but, um, you know how people say that a lot, you know, that childhood is just waiting to be an adult, basically, where we look at it as a waiting period or a training period to be an adult, as if children are not already people. Um, and that they're just kind of waiting and biding their time until they get to be a, a whole person. Yeah. And, um, and I've never agreed with that. You know, I grew up on kids are people too. in the seventies <laughs> kids are people too. And there are people right now. Yeah. Um, and their interests are just as valid as an adult's interests and can be just as interesting. I think that our experience, our third child, our third child, um, my son Emerus has epilepsy and, um, cerebral palsy. And we spent eight years in stress mode, just trying to keep him alive. He would have very serious seizures. Um, and in fact, when he was a baby, the doctor said he wouldn't probably live past the age of seven and he's 13 now. Um, so our priority system is different than families who've never had that kind of trauma. When, when I look at my kids, I have a different, I see this could be their last day. And do they want to have been sitting in a chair, you know, learning about whatever stupid thing of the day. Mm-hmm. No, they deserve to have been having a really good example. I, know, and I, could, I can't, I like, there's no good example. I was like, no, wait, I like that part. No, nope, <laughs> that one's cool. Dang it. <laughs> Every day deserves to be lived doing what you want to do, following your passions, following your joy, because you don't know how long you have here. And wasting that first 17 years just waiting for the real life to start is such a waste, in my opinion. And so while what we've experienced has been kind of stressful and traumatic and, um, you know, it's left its mark for sure. Zero would not recommend. Would not, <laughs> but there have been good parts of it. And I feel like um, 
having that different set of priorities and what is truly important. It is so much more important that I spend an hour and a half discussing a 21 Pilot song with my kids than it would have been for them to sit in a class full of strangers they're never going to see again. Um, so, you know, talking about the Pythagorean theorem or something, whatever stupid thing of the day it is, because, because we spend our time building connection that will last a lifetime. And I feel like there couldn't possibly be anything more important than that. I love that. I love that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and Ron, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> 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 it's just a little baby mic. <laughs> but it's so true, right? What's most important, not only the connection and the relationship, but what they're interested in that moment, right, Rana? Like, I mean, yeah. that's where you learn the most is because that's where your your mind is. That's where your thoughts are. That's where your head wants to be, right? So that's where yeah. your yeah, yeah. thoughts are. Yeah. 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 I definitely agree. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I love Sorry, your point. I got a little I know. No, no, that's great. <laughs> no. <laughs> Sometimes I don't self-censor very well. <laughs> but that point too about um your ages, the difference in ages. Um mm-hmm. and you mentioned how you know, how your, your needs were kind of different, right? Ronnie, when you were younger and you needed a lot more, um, help and, and attention, um, just navigating your day, you pretty much had, you had, you as the first had one-on-one time with that and you were more (laughs) self-sufficient by the time, you know, thing came along, Yeah. So yeah, I mean, that's another consideration, right? Yeah, I think, you know, by that point, too, I had was, at least for me, because I had the biggest gap with all of them. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm the oldest. And so I was able to not only be self-sufficient in by the time they were around and they were babies, I was able to be self-sufficient in what I wanted to do or how to ask for it. But I was able to help start helping them yeah. do what yeah. they wanted to do. Yeah. And so if... Thane wanted to read a book and he didn't know how to read, I would sit there and read to him for hours. Or, you know, it's even more so with Gwenny, who's the littlest, where, I mean, we joke, I'm her second mom. (laughs) Where she and I, I used, I mean, when she was a baby in a sling, I would carry her around in the sling all the time and do stuff with her. She was 12 when Gwenny was born. So she's she's my baby. (laughs) Um, I, I joke to people, besides the fact that I'll take her out in public and people will be like, is that your daughter? I'll just be like, yeah. Well, <laughs> 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 for people who don't know, people go say your daughter. I know it's my sister, but I talk about her. Yeah. Well, she's my, she's my baby and stuff like that. But um, I've been able to help be a part of their learning and their growing mm. process, which builds connections between the two of us. Right. So Gwenny yeah. and I have a really deep connection and we talk about, all sorts of things. And she and I have little girls days where we, we do our own thing where we, I mean, usually when she was little, it was just baking in the kitchen and listening to Disney music, but (laughs) we have, but it's like that with all of them. And they, they all have different relationships with each other too. Mm -hmm. So we all have our own individual relationships with each other and in groups. And yeah. 
Okay. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And that's the whole point, right? When when everybody's doing what they're interested in and helping each other out with what they're curious about and interested in, nobody's trying to direct each other. Uh-huh. <laughs> There's so much more flow, right? Back to that flow. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Exactly. Now, let's get back to those RV adventures. You mentioned that you spent about three years <laughs> out in the RV. So how did that yeah. come about? And I was hoping you might have a story or two to share with us about that. Um, do we? <laughs> Great times. So many stories. Um, so when, when we first decided, or in the early years, we talked about homeschooling and even, like I said, before we were really in it. And we had talked about some grand ideas about really world schooling and really showing the kids the world. Um, and then Amherst was born and our lives were really turned upside down for a long time. Um, and when we had finally gotten him stable and he hadn't had a seizure in over a year, finally found a medication. Um, we started breathing again and was that in like 2013 maybe? And, um, we start, we kind of like looked up and said, Oh Yeah. The, all those plans. And now she was getting older and I, and I, we never talked about her moving out. We've always kind of talked about living in an extended family and like her never leaving, but there's a reality <laughs> to that, that I'm not, I'm not sure that that's how it's going to be. Right. And so she's um, 16 and I'm thinking, what if we don't have very much time left? And um, I know she's still here, uh, but at the time, I don't know. Joke. It's a constant joke. Someone will talk about moving out. I was like, I'll be here when you get back. (laughs) (laughs) So we thought, you know, our plan was never for Rana. And and of course, you never, you can't plan for life at all. But um, we definitely didn't envision their childhood looking as serious as it ended up being. Um, And because my husband was telecommuting at the time, we thought, let's, get out and do some real living now, finally, and try to make up for lost time. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, so we jumped in the RV and, um, it was really not that easy, but let's just say, and <laughs> jumped in the RV. <laughs> we just, you know, it's easy. You just, it just all happened. You pick magically. Off the side of the road and it's like, yeah. Um, so, um, some really interesting things that came of that though were, um, I'm one of the things I do in my side time is genealogy. And so a lot of our trip was family history focused, which was super interesting and took us to places way off the beaten path. Um, We did a lot of big landmarks and stuff, but we went to towns that almost don't even exist anymore so that we could um, go to city halls and research what my family or our families were doing in the 1830s or whatever. Um, See pictures of their house, go visit their graves. We remember that day that we went to all those in New uh, Hampshire. No, no. No. In in Indiana, when you and I did all of those cemeteries that one day. Oh, what the, it was Halloween. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So we're out by like the middle of nowhere out by the Ohio river and I oh that day I was thinking still have another day. <laughs> <laughs> we have yeah. a lot of we have a lot of days. Yeah, yeah. by the river. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And um, by the Spooky River. These are some of these places were not even cemetery cemeteries or like family plot cemeteries that are really in someone else's yard at this point. Yeah. That day was amazing because we, we got five of them in. Mm-hmm. Um, it took all day to traveling back roads and like it did. printed out maps. And those are things. So by kind of letting our, our genius, I mean, and I had done 10 or 15 years of work to lead up to that. Yeah. Um, where then we were able to go see a lot of these things, but that gave a structure to the overall trip that might not have been there otherwise. That made it super interesting. Yeah. You can tell them about our favorite place. Which one's your favorite place now? Now I'm thinking about all of them. Oh, that favorite place. (laughs) So our favorite place was um, Charleston, South Carolina. Oh, yeah. Which we don't have any family down there, unfortunately. (laughs) Someone could have died and left me a mansion down there. That would be real cool. Um, (laughs) But we loved Charleston. I think we didn't even know about it. We weren't planning on going there. Um, we had been, we, I had really been, I'd heard so many great things about Asheville. Yes. Um, <laughs> that because it's supposed to be like California East sort of, you know, really liberal. And, um, but when we got there, it was November and it was 16 degrees, which makes it, the cold weather makes RV living really hard As because <laughs> um, well, more than that, it's the condensation. Like, so when it, it's not that you're cold cause you can be perfectly warm inside, but the walls are always wet and then you've got mold and then you're screwed forever. So you really have to keep the RVs kind of warm. out of the cold so that that doesn't happen. Otherwise you're going to, it's, I mean, we were having to chamois the walls like every day. It was just wow. ridiculous. Several yeah. times a day. So anyway, we were like, let's, head let's go somewhere else so we we went to charleston it had never been on our it wasn't on our list we, main list. we kind of just ended up there because it was warmer and we had been spending on average like a week per place we ended up spending about three months totally in charleston yeah. wow. we stayed for a month and then we left and did some more things and then we came back and then <laughs> we loved it yeah and so it was really interesting because we kind of stayed like on the outside of the outskirts of town and I don't even remember you guys, you and dad must've gone first. The walking tour. The walking tour. They had, they have walking tours down there. They're free walking tours. And so I think you maybe donate at the end or whatever. And it was so eye opening because we went on these tours and into downtown Charleston. And not only is it just gorgeous and the mansions are beautiful and stuff, the whole environment is just so interesting (laughs) it's such a cool combination it's a really beautiful like interwoven combination of the old and the new where you've got you've got you've got downtown south of Broadway which is where all the original houses were that were built in like the late 1700s I mean all these old houses and then you go like north of Broadway and it's modern and you have apartments and but they meld really well like I think there was one day we were walking through this I mean, you could just imagine somebody walking around in hoop skirts. It looks like you're in this old, there's the big trees and the moss and the mansions and the lavish gardens. Wow. And this, was it a Ferrari? It was a, that was a Prius because we were a talking Prius. about it being. This <laughs> Prius drives down the street bumping music. And for whatever reason, it feels like those things shouldn't fit. Like this old, elegant town and this 
new shiny sleek car blaring modern music and they just yeah it made perfect it sense did. it was it was beautiful it was, it was really like this is how it's supposed to be and so we ended up throwing throwing ourselves into the Charleston we read so many books <laughs> we did all the tours we went to all the museums um and then we just spent hours just walking just walking our, it's one of our favorite like things to think about if we get stressed and you're like think of a calm place is walking around the cemeteries in downtown Charleston on a Sunday because everyone was at ch- in church in their finest they dress yeah. up uh, it's yeah. amazing and it's all these rich old families that have been there Forever. since the beginning yeah. and so like on the tour they're like oh there's mrs so-and-so her family's been here for like 300 years and <laughs> there's so-and-so and her daughter she's getting married next week like there's this <laughs> strange community Small about town feel, yeah. but it's unlike anything else that we'd ever experienced and so that was so like, we follow all the instagram charleston pages and still fangirl over and like there was you know there's buildings that's like this was brought over during queen elizabeth's reign and well we she and i have always really loved history i mean just the two that's one thing that she and i share probably the most over the other kids don't care so much but um we read historical novels together and and love that kind of stuff and uh, it was great seeing a lot of the united states but we don't have super old things here yeah. Um, and our history love lays with older, mainly like usually English, older stuff. Yeah. I hadn't ever really cared about or archeological super, super yeah. old. And before this trip, I had never really cared about American history. Like that was something I was like, I just, it didn't interest me at all. I didn't really know anything about American history and taking this trip made it so much more fascinating. And now mm. American history is something that i really am passionate about this point because it's like, oh, I've been to that place. I saw that train. I saw that first thing that was built. And so it made it real personal and saw mm-hmm. the cemeteries and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So That's we awesome. could tell a zillion stories. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> RV stories. Yeah. No, that sounds great. I love, I love um, that, that history piece, like how it was the act of driving around and, you know, cause you were bringing in the family history piece and, and it uh-huh. just wove its way in there. That's really interesting. Yeah. So it made it, I mean, it, it's actually the, the very, the perfect unschooling example um, of spending your time doing relevant things. So we didn't, there were a lot of things I didn't make her study ahead of time because who cares? Um, except when we went to the actual places, we went to, then uh, suddenly she actually cared and it became real. Um, and sometimes we had real faces. I mean, we have, um, we have Mayflower relatives. So when we were on at Cape Cod and we were able to see Constance Hopkins hat that I'm like, that's your 12th great grandmother's hat. She wore that. And that's completely different than going to a museum. Gosh, Plymouth Plantation is so much fun. Yeah, and seeing things that you don't have a connection to. Um, so the years of homework that led to that on my part were really worth it because uh, I, I was able to see their eyes widen, I think, more than they may have otherwise. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Well, speaking of these kind of learning journeys and stories, I was wondering if you guys uh, might be able to share a couple of stories about how 
learning has unfolded for you in your lives. Um, Cause it, it does it. I, we're going back to that word flow, right? That you were talking about right there in the beginning. It just, it flows right through our days. And I always find that so fascinating. Mm-hmm. You got a story you might like to share too about that? Um, how it's like what evolved? No, she wants to know like, so, so for us, I'll start and then you yeah, can. Yeah, yeah, you have to get it. Our, if you want to focus just on our learning time, our learning times have been, because I know that's a, that's a real concern for a lot of people who are new to these ideas. Um, you see the most learning happen in our family late at night. Uh-huh. Um, often when the lights are out already, because we have slumber parties, yeah. um, or in the car where we'll just talk and talk and talk and get to where we're going and still sit out in front so we can finish our conversations. Yes. Um, so I'm sure you know exactly. So, um, so I think the timing, I think the most important learning has happened, um, in ways that maybe don't look like learning to conventionally schooled people. Yeah. And, they might not understand that, no, there were huge epiphanies that just happened in that conversation. And yeah, it was dark and it was 1130 at night, but those, those those are the conversations that really stay with you. Yeah. I think the best learning has happened really organically. Never when we were like, we're going to sit down and focus on this. Mm -hmm. Um, Not something you can plan, is it? It's not no, you no. can't pin it down. Yeah. Although, I mean, some of it is choices. Like, yeah. Um, for example, so, so we do read a lot of novels and things like that. But remember, Gwenny's very first book that she ever heard read aloud was Ishmael. <laughs> Daniel Quinn is her first because I, I was that. reading that to Rana at the time. <laughs> and that, and so, and, and when we read that book, have you read that book? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So good. <laughs> um, all of Daniel Quinn, you know, uh, I mean, he, he kind of summed up a lot of his theories in a book called if they give you lines paper, right sideways. That's like our, mo- our whole family's motto. If, yeah. if there's a reason, if, if people are all going in one direction, I'm always going to go in a different direction and investigate that direction and s- just make sure that there isn't some validity to it. I'm, just not a lemming. <laughs> and that is, um, that's why our family looks so different than everyone else's yeah. because, um, we, we just utilize our space in this life differently. And it's been so much more interesting. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's hard for me to describe it though, because it's just, the way it and is. And you haven't known anything different. Yeah. And I've never known anything different. And so that's why it's hard for me to answer a question like that because it's like, how do I describe what yeah. is just normal? Like, and you know, I think I've, I've had, I've definitely had moments, what do we call them? Bubble moments mm-hmm. when I go out into the world and wait, you, you guys don't do, that's not, not a, okay. Yeah. Okay. Not everyone does that. All right. This is, and then that's my realization going, okay. So not everyone stays up to 11 talking to their mom about 
whatever. Everything whatever. Works. I can't even come up with an example because that's just normal for me. So it's hard to define that or yeah. describe it because it is just normal. I yeah. love Over that. The last I love that, Ron, because I bet, you know, it's not even like you, I, you're just living, like to even label things as learning. It's like, yeah. well, yeah, yeah, I'm learning because I'm everything I do. I'm making a choice. I'm doing it. I'm seeing what happens. I'm like learning every moment. It's so hard and to, funny thing to too use that label. Those kind of learning moments, I feel like I have brought with me into my life outside of our home mm-hmm. where I have some of these crazy deep use sometimes emotional, but like epiphany moments slash conversations with my coworkers where we, I I work in a juice bar and we have these intense conversations yelling over blenders. And then, (laughs) you know, you have to stop for a second and you have to help someone and then you go back and then you're like, so then I felt really vulnerable and I didn't understand. (laughs) (laughs) But that's what makes it seem like it's not a different thing because I was able to bring or no, there was there was never a transition period between how I've always learned or processed or developed things. I just took it with me. Yeah. And it just worked. I mean, I've been really lucky that the people I found in my new community here are really chill. And, you know, they're wonderful people. But that was never where they're like, what are you doing? This isn't how we normally do it. It's just now we're adults having a conversation. And so it's just always been the same. <laughs> mm-hmm. Although I have noticed in the since. Uh, Rana and Thane have gone out into the community and are um, fully functioning adults now. <laughs> they will come home sometimes and say, that's just us, isn't it? Yeah. Like, that thing, whatever X is. Oh, I didn't know, but that's just us, right? Yeah. And then they check it and I'm like, oh yeah, I should have told you that's just <laughs> us. <laughs> Nobody else does well, it that way. Week, the last week was parchment paper. Oh, right. Like, I would, you know, she, my boyfriend's it, house she just and... assumes everyone bakes with parchment paper all the time. And most people don't even know what it is. But <laughs> so I, I went to stay at my boyfriend's house. That's a simple example. I was like, where's your parchment paper? I need to bake this. And he's like, we don't have any. I was like, you what? <laughs> we don't have parchment paper. Like, and then I came home. I was like, and they didn't even have parchment paper. And she's like, yeah, nobody does. And I was like, what? <laughs> well, you know, that is a really great lead into our next question, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> because I would love to hear the story behind Miss Tiberi's Baked Goods. Because you guys just hit your first anniversary, didn't you? We did. Our first legitimate one. Legit- first legitimate yeah. um, So, so first yeah, let us know. Let us know the story behind that. How did that evolve? Um, so Ron and I both have celiac and autoimmune issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and so our diet has looked different I, I, of all the things. Our diet also looks very different <laughs> from most people's. Nothing is, we normal. don't do Nothing. anything normally. Here. Um, and, but I grew up baking a lot and, so she grew up as a baby baking and, um, cause I was on, it's, you were holding me in the sling, the Spanakopita picture, like, yeah, <laughs> maybe we'll send that one to you. you <laughs> Perfect. Um, so, uh, we've probably been, um, we've been learning how to bake differently, gluten-free, but gluten-free, dairy-free. Um, and then for a lo- the last five years, grain-free, 
I agree. Um, yeah. For a long time, this has been a process for us as we deal with our own health issues. Um, Rana grew up watching food TV. Like that was pretty much the only, besides Little Bear and maybe Blue Clues. <laughs> and Magic School Bus. And Magic, and Magic School Bus. School the School only bus. TV we really had on in the house um, was food TV. And um, she's paying for it now because she doesn't know anything about SpongeBob. Like, cause she's, <laughs> I, I was like, you're not watching No that. Kim Possible. And so her friends now are like, you don't even know about your reference. I look at them really blankly and like SpongeBob. And I was like, I grew up watching Food Network. And they're like, (laughs) again, this is, they don't judge me for not going to college. They judge me for not knowing SpongeBob. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) So watch out. Pop culture (laughs) is important to learn. But, um, so she's, she's wanted to be a professional baker since she was about 11. She's talked about wanting to do this. And, um, so, and to be honest, I have wanted to have my own little bakery tea house thing since I was a teenager too. So it's been a melding of the minds and now we have started uh, Miss Teaberry's Baked Goods. Um, it's all gluten-free, mostly vegan foods. Miss um, Teaberry's came from, there's a children's series called Mr. Putter and Tabby. Do you know those? No. Cynthia Ryland. Oh, they're so good. Um, It's a whole series about this old man and his cat and his old neighbor lady and her dog, basically. And one thing I love about it is you never see these positive portrayals of older people as just being normal people. It's it's really heartwarming, but Mrs. Teaberry, who's the neighbor, she's always baking for Mr. Putter. And so at some point, Rana was like, I bet she was like me when she was young. And, um, I want to grow up to be Mrs. Teaberry. <laughs> yeah. So that's why we're Miss Teaberry's. Oh, um, that's awesome. <laughs> so, uh, and, and see, there's, there's the like validating reference of, of a child's book as be, like, to me, I love that, um, the thing we're creating is kind of has a foundation in a small children's easy reader. Like, I love it because <laughs> I, I just think that there's validity in everything, mm-hmm. but, um, anyway, it's going really well. And our, our, um, well, do you want to talk about like why we're, why it's important that we do it? So we wanted to, we wanted to start this because since we have so many food issues and this has become more of an issue for me as I've been going out and meeting people and stuff, I can't ever go out and eat with my friends. Mm-hmm. I can't go to a restaurant and eat food and feel like I'm safe. Like there's a handful of them, but even then it's like, okay, I can get this one thing and it's such a big deal it's almost not worth it. Yeah. Or just, just going out, I always bring my own food. And so there's always, somebody is always uncomfortable. Like, well, I don't want to, I don't want to share your food because that's your food and you can't get anything else later or it, it separates it. And I've always believed that food is what brings people together. You break bread together with people and it's a very social thing. When you eat with someone, you trust them and then you grow closer and you bond over food. And so not being able to bond over food has been like a big gap that is a really hard thing to work past. So kind of our goal with Miss Teaberries is someday we want to have our own location 
in our own bakery that has all these different options. So if you're gluten-free and your friend's dairy-free or whatever, two or more people can come in and you can all sit down and you can all get something to eat that's safe for you. You can all bond over food and no one has to worry that they're going to be sick for the next week or they're going to have a headache in five minutes if, you know, that was cross-contamination or that you can just relax and you can eat food with your friends and it's not a big deal. There's no big deal that, well, that's gluten-free and this isn't, or, well, this has nuts and this is, it's not a big deal. It's not a stress thing. Yeah. It's just, you just sit down and eat and it's just normal food. So, except it's not normal food. It's <laughs> delicious. It's better and beautiful. Oh my gosh, it's so it? beautiful. Did you, did you see our I mentioned I was stalking you guys before the call. <laughs> wow, your food is beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. And so that's important to us. Like we put flowers on most of our food and and try to make it beautiful because for a lot of people who have different allergies and intolerances, they're always, it's like the bottom of the barrel. Yeah. It's the food is kind of gross. It's dry or it doesn't have flavor and you don't have a lot of options. Um, and, and so you, we, people should just be able to feel like human beings when they go out in public. One of the big um, things too is like, especially we focus on like birthdays and little kids because yeah. it, and it's been something we've dealt with before where we've had birthdays where you don't have any dessert for your birthday. Or you, you go to someone else and they're having a party and you're like, thanks, but I can't eat that. Well, that's one thing for an adult to do that. But for a child to constantly say that they can't partake is really super sad. Yeah. So sometimes um, we'll have people who just buy like half a dozen cupcakes or something that they send with their child to someone else's party so that they have something to to, you or know, the parent, the latest one we did, the parents kind of all got together and we just sent them like, well, I think we did this when they sent them plain ones or something and they were going to, oh, yeah. they were going to all decorate them. So they all looked the same. So the little kids didn't feel like, well, this is mine and this is yours. Right. They all looked the same. And the parents just knew they were getting the same option. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you there's on mental health as right. well as physical health. Yeah. Because we do feel like there's a, a psychological and an emotional component to eating, obviously. Yeah. Um, that needs to be addressed. So to us, it's not, a, it's, it's not, we're not making health food. It's sugary and you shouldn't eat it every day. We're not <laughs> telling anyone you should eat our food every single day. There are people that do, but we would never say that it's, it's physical <laughs> health food, but it does, it does, it, make, your soul. it does. Yeah. It feeds your soul so that, um, you, sh everyone should be able to, have and, a special occasion and feel like they're getting a treat and that is actually pretty and you're already dealing with things like celiac or autoimmune. You're in a lot of pain. Yeah. You're dealing with a lot of crappy things and you're dealing, you know, being tired or the emotional side of just not feeling like your body doesn't work. Mm -hmm. So you deserve to eat a donut once a week when you have a really bad day. Sometimes that we doesn't hear make it worse. from people who say, this is the first donut I've had in 10 years yeah. we get and they're almost in tears we just get little because kids. it's an experience and then we just lose it. Yeah. There's <laughs> like, we've heard stories about little kids and they're like, they've been sick since they were born. They've never had it. And this was their very first donut they ever had. You're like, <laughs> turning it in. <laughs> we good. I can, I, I can die happy now. I, yeah. that's the whole, we just want to help You're people be happy. You're opening up choices, right? 
These are choices yeah. they haven't been so able it's, to make. The news is so full of crappy happenings that Thanks. that it's like it's so hard to even take it in at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's so easy to feel overwhelmed in that. Like, what can I do? There's nothing. I, there's nothing I can do. And Ron and I have just tried to have decided to just try to focus on how can we make the world a better, how can we make our world a better place? And if that, if all that means is making, is allowing someone to be happy eating a donut for the first time, then we've done something, you know, to, to bring some joy into the world. So, um, and that's really, that really sums up our whole unschooling journey as a family or, um, is I'm just looking after my own learner and I'm trying to make the world a better place by making these six people that I have any actual influence over into, um, the most joyful, most loving people I can. And hopefully that will radiate out. That's all I, that's all I can hope for. (laughs) Oh, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. I love, well, I mean, I love the focus on joy, you know, and I was actually having a really interesting conversation with my eldest yesterday. We were talking about the difference between, you know, um, happiness and joy, you know, um, and not, not to diss on the happiness or anything like that, but you know, the surface level versus, you know, that, that when we focus on joy, tough things can still happen in our lives. Right. And, right. and we can mm-hmm. still walk through these things and they will happen. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But you know, when we're looking at that, that deeper joy and fulfillment that we're walking towards in our days, you know, it, it just, it helps so much, doesn't it? it? It's it's a mindset to bring to your day every day that helps you make that next choice right? Let's yeah, make it, that it next really choice. Is. It will bring joy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I mean, <laughs> yeah. You have to decide on it. You have to decide to be happy. And that's something I, if I find myself like feeling overwhelmed or something or, cause now I bake all the time. We're real busy. <laughs> so I find myself about, I'll get overwhelmed or stressed out or I'll be really exhausted, but I have to make this. I have to make this batch of things. I have to get it done. And I just feel like so much weight. And I go, wait, no, 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 no. You get to make this thing. You're really lucky. You get to bake for a living. <laughs> this is really cool. You got to focus on that side. And then as soon as I switch back in that, it becomes an enjoyable thing to do. But it takes a lot of mental energy to maintain that. Like, remember, this is a good thing. <laughs> yeah, it's, well, it's just easy to get bogged down. But you have to do that with everything in life yeah. because it's so yeah. easy to be like, well, the world sucks. I keep doing it. Well, you could actually do this. It's yeah. Maintaining that. And I use an example of the baking, but it applies to the rest yeah. of your life. Yeah. And I, it's, it's being aware of what is, you're doing and what um, your vibes you're putting out into the world. This is probably the most fulfilling part of the journey so far for me has been is watching my two oldest ones enter the world. Um, so when people are new to un- the unschooling ideas, there's a lot of, but what ifs, but what if, but what if, but what ifs that yeah. Um, yeah. all the naysayers want to bring out. And 
none of them have been true for us. Nothing. Did, I never made my kids get up at the crack of dawn. They could all, my kids have always slept in as long as they needed to sleep. And Ron is a baker. So she gets up in the summer, she gets up, you know, <laughs> and is making morning. deliveries at six in the morning every day. And when she trained as a pastry chef, she was, you were up at four 30 every day and she could do it. Yeah. But it's just another thing to do. Like she didn't, didn't like practice. It, she didn't have to suffer for 13 years of her childhood to learn how to wake up early. I know. Um, and, and so the, the idea that you have to prepare your kids for a horrible world by treating them horribly does not ring true for me at all. I, I feel just the opposite that by um, building them up and giving them as much joy and positivity as we could, because our house was not always full of joy. Yeah. We had a lot of stress and trauma in our house for years at a time, but I didn't have to manufacture that. That happened. Yeah. And, right? and like, so like you and I just said, life yeah. is going to keep happening to you. So in my opinion, if your foundation is strong and you know that you have a family who's always going to be there as a safety net or um, just as a support when life does suck, because there are times that it's going to in every single person's life, then they're going to be fully equipped to deal with whatever life throws at them because they're strong and stable and they have a really um, good foundation. Yeah. So, so we didn't practice making their lives miserable. Here, <laughs> here. <laughs> yeah. And then, so, so like Rana says though, it's not that sometimes she doesn't have a hard day or Absolutely. like everybody, but yeah. she has the ability to, to self-regulate and she might spend a day being grumpy or something. But then by the next morning, she's like, huh, I didn't need, I don't need to do that. This, I'm actually quite happy in my choices because they're her choices and no one has made those decisions for her. Exactly. When you feel like you're in control of your life, it's different. You don't feel like, you know, life's happening to you and you have no choice in the matter. Yeah. Right. Happy things can happen in your life and yeah. around you and everything. But, you know, you get to the point where you remember you're in control of yourself and you have choices and you can make that next choice. You, like you were talking about before, Rana, like talking yourself through, well, I don't have to look at it as in, man, I have to make this. I have to get this done. I can choose to switch it up, see the bigger picture and remember yeah. that this is a choice and that I get to do this and that I, this is something I enjoy doing in the bigger picture, <laughs> even though yeah, you're really exhausted after hours of it. <laughs> I'm so tired. But it is, it is nice to always know I have the choice. Yeah. Which I think is, again, probably one of those things that's hard to, like, identify or describe or even imagine that other people were raised not having a choice because I've always had a choice. I've always gotten to choose what time I go to sleep or what I want to eat or even the most basic things. So as you ramp up to get bigger, bigger, bigger choices, I trust myself and know what I can do or what I'm comfortable with to make that choice or if I need to push myself. And so I'm very comfortable in making bigger choices when it comes down to it, as well as little choices. I, I think we've just seen that. We'll not use names, but, um, <laughs> 
So, I mean, today a, a big topic of conversation is consent for all types of things. Um, but, you know, compulsory education and all of the compulsory things that go along with that, bedtimes and hygiene or like what all the things that you have to then force your children to do um, really cuts down on the amount of consent children have over their daily lives, like when they pee and when they have a meal. Um, and to me, like what I'm seeing now is the ripple effect out from that is um, I've always told my kids, you shouldn't do something that doesn't make you happy. So if we sign them up for a class because they really just had to learn how to do whatever, um, and then they don't really like it, it's not like I'm going to make them keep doing it. Um, and Rana has been, she's been working in a job for the last few years that she loved. She just loved it. She loved all the people and it was, it was my home away from home. It was yeah. like, I left this nest and kind of jumped over to that one. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I got to practice spreading my wings. And- but then there's been a change of ownership and that that place has a become lot of people left. not a good place to work. And mm-hmm. she's comfortable making the decision to leave that job um, for one that's going to, because mostly she's a baker, but she does work some hours outside of the house. Which is because, you know, for I- For spending money. Spending and- money. And I, I started working- there when we moved here before we started the baking. She puts every cent of the baking money into a savings account so she can open an actual bakery someday. (laughs) So she has, I don't spend a lot of money, more money in savings than any other 22 year old I know, but she always acts like she has no money. It's hilarious, (laughs) but it's not, it's to her. It's already spent on a structure that doesn't exist. It's not mine. It's serious. Yeah. It doesn't belong to me. Um, in any case, she felt comfortable leaving one job for another job that will be better um, emotionally. emotionally. And, and I mean, it pays a lot less, but this is, she was pointing out the other night, this is the second time she's left one job for a job that pays less, but is better for her. Yeah. And um, I, I'm not sure, you know, most, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm like, supposed to want her to, to be successful, but to me, success doesn't equal money. And yeah. I'm so proud of her for being able to take care of her, her spirit, um, and not be worn down by the world and be able to make those choices. And, and that comes back to that issue of, um, of self-esteem and self-confidence and the, the self-agency to do what's right for yourself, which I think a lot of people don't know how to do because they haven't had any practice doing that. And the thing to add to that, which kind of goes along the lines of people going, you're homeschooled, you're so lucky, is all of the times I've ever left jobs because I wasn't happy or I was getting sick, all of the people's reactions when I told them I was leaving was, congratulations, that's great, you're taking care of yourself, that's really cool. Yeah. No one was like, you're leaving. What's wrong with you? That's a better job. You should stay there. Like, congrats. I got so many congratulations. <laughs> but even interesting. last summer, you know, I left. People name. truly do want what's best for you. Yeah. But it's something that they don't necessarily think about themselves. To do think for about themselves. Putting themselves, for putting them, prioritizing themselves. Mm-hmm. And so when they see someone else do it, they're like, that's a good thing. You should, you should do that. Like, <sighs> So that's been the reaction when I leave those jobs is 
congratulations. Good for you. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, that is. That's fascinating to see that they can mm-hmm. see it in someone else, but they can't see it for themselves because like you mm-hmm. said, that's not something that they've ever been, ha- they've ever had experience with, right? Right. Yeah, they, they never just- had the option to have a choice. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. I, I think people that. don't realize how many choices they actually they have. have. Yeah. Yeah. That's effective. Yeah. Well, you guys, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me. It was so much fun. Thank you. It was fun. <laughs> it was, it was a really fun. great to meet oh. you face to face like yes, this finally. Yes. That's all. Oh, I, I really appreciate you both taking the time too. And it was so nice to start here hearing some of those stories behind some of the pictures and things that I saw. (laughs) Now, before we go, um, can you let people know where uh, good places for them to connect with you online? Uh, So you can find Miss T-Berries at MissTBerries.com. We're on Facebook and Instagram Mm -hmm. and technically Snapchat, but I don't know how to use that. I will. I will definitely recommend people go check out Facebook and and Instagram and drool over the pictures. You guys, that's definitely beautiful work. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks so much much for taking the time. It was so great to get to know you a little bit face to face. I hope we talk again soon. Bye. Me too. Thanks for listening. I hope you found it helpful. You might also like the backlist episodes at livingjoyfully.ca forward slash podcast. While you're there, be sure to check out the Tuck Talks. For six years, I hosted the Toronto Unschooling Conference. It was an amazing experience and I loved meeting many wonderful unschooling families. Though I no longer host the conference, the unschooling insights shared by the amazing speakers over the years are timeless. You can listen to all 25 talks for free on my website at livingjoyfully.ca forward slash conference. Until next time, have fun living and learning with your family.